Maybe you don't got to break it with a sledgehammer. I told my wife, I said, well, honey, <laughs> Big Daddy's about to take out the one-eyed devil in our house. It's like 22 paragraphs long. Quarantine camps. I think they have forgotten the theology of redneckism in America. Try that wicked Jezebel for treason. Father Teresa's wine cellar, we believe all oppression is intersectional. And this means our analysis of current events frequently includes discussion of difficult and explicit content. Any combination of the following topics could be included in our show. Murder, rape, war, climate change, racism, sexism, violence, sexual violence, homophobic violence, heterocentrism, discrimination and abuse against individuals of nonconformist sexuality, domestic violence, child abuse, child rape, child neglect, elderly abuse, verbal abuse, police brutality, microaggressions, ableism, cyberbullying, genital mutilation, ideological extremism, and people just being total fucking assholes. One teenager is dead after at least two teens took turns shooting at each other while wearing body armor, police in Bellevue, Florida said. On April 3rd, the Bellevue Police Department received a call for a shooting at a residence. When they arrived, they found the 16-year-old Christopher Leroy Broad Jr., who had been shot. He was transported to the local hospital where he died. The medical examiner's office said the cause of Broad's death was a single gunshot wound to the chest, and the manner of death was listed as a homicide, according to a probable cause affidavit. According to the investigation into the, into the shooting, the Bellevue Police Department discovered evidence to prove that Joshua Vining, a 17-year-old individual, shot and killed Mr. Broad. Mr. Vining was arrested Thursday and charged with aggravated manslaughter of a child with a firearm. Quote, Through the investigation, it was determined that Mr. Vining and Mr. Broad were taking turns shooting at each other while wearing a vest which contained a form of body armor. Vining shot at Broad while he was wearing the vest and he was struck, end quote. Police said when they arrived, they found Vining doing CPR on Broad, according to the probable cause affidavit. A second teenager gave police misleading information about the incident and was charged with providing false information to law enforcement. In the affidavit, police say a third teenager told them the video recorded both sh- that he video recorded both shootings using Snapchat on his iPhone, saving the video of Vining being shot but deleting the video of Broad being shot. A technician was able to recover the shooting of Broad, according to the affidavit. Both Mr. Vining and the second teen are facing charges of providing false information to law enforcement and are being charged as adults. The folks over at CNN have not been able to determine if either have legal representation at this time and could not reach them for comment. 
Mr. Vining posted a $30,000 bond on April 8th, according to the Marion County Sheriff's uh, inmate search website. The second teen charged was released on a $1,000 surety bond on April 8th, according to the county inmate search. Bellevue was located roughly 65 miles northwest of Orlando. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. I love Mexicans. <laughs> Some of my best boyfriends are Mexican. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Friday warned of a coming Cold War between Florida and Georgia if the Democratic candidate Stacey Abrams wins the gubernatorial election in the state. During a press conference in Gulf County in Florida's southwest, DeSantis referenced the ongoing Masters Tournament in Georgia, using it as an apparent segue into discussing the state's elections. DeSantis said, quote, he really appreciates our Georgians, but take care of the 2022 election to prevent Abrams from winning. If Stacey Abrams is elected governor of Georgia, I just want to be honest, that will be a cold war between Florida and Georgia. I can't have a former Cuban communist leader, Raul Castro, to my south and Abrams to my north. That would be a disaster. So I hope you guys take care of that and we'll end up in good shape. End quote. The Hill has reached out to DeSantis's office for a comment. They did not receive one. Stacey Abrams, a former State House minority leader, and uh, Michael Bloomberg bootlicker, uh, previously ran for governor and is running uncontested in the Democratic primary field, but faces a competitive general election against Governor Brian Kemp, a former and the former Senator David Perdue, both Republicans. According to the latest polling, Stacey Abrams is trailing Kemp by a 51% to 44% margin and Purdue by a 49% to a 44% margin. Mr. Kemp narrowly beat Abrams for the governorship in 2018. Ron DeSantis has become a major force in the Republican Party who is flirting with a 2024 presidential run. The Democratic candidate and Republican governor couldn't be further apart on many issues, including gun control, immigration, and the LGBTQIA community. Ron DeSantis just signed the Don't Say Gay Bill into law, which prohibits the discussion of gender identity and sexual orientation from kindergarten through third grade, which critics say marginalizes transgender and LGBTQIA youth. I would note that trans is the T in um, LGBTQIA youth, so they didn't need that part of the sentence. We'll continue. While Stacey Abrams' campaign site says she wants to nurture and protect LGBTQIA children. The repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell is done is it's opened the door for these hyper-masculine homosexuals to come into the military, very similar to the kind of masculine ideal of the warrior in Greek culture, and they were homosexuals. Those that were, the, the, the masculine ideal in Greek was the Greek warrior. He was a homosexual. They would often have young boys as their homosexual uh, lovers. Working from home? It was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Now, about three out of five managers believe that remote work is on the wane and workers will be back in the office full time by the end of this year and they're apparently prepared to use some tough tactics to get workers back at their desks. About 77% of managers said they'd be willing to implement severe consequences, including firing workers or cutting pay and benefits on those who refuse to return to the office, according to a recent survey by employment background check company Good Hire of 3,500 American managers. That sounds like a robust study. Although many surveys have shown that the majority of workers prefer remote and hybrid work structures, most managers still believe that in-person work is the best. Former Google CEO and chairman Eric Schmidt even recently weighed in about the return to work debate, saying that it's important people be at the office, and he's happy the remote era seems to be ending. Quote, I don't know how you build great management with remote work. I honestly don't. End quote. 
and about half the managers, 51%, genuinely believe that their workers want to return to the office. Quote from, uh, from Max Westman, clearly managers are struggling. Organizations that find, a, that find a work arrangement that satisfies the majority of their workforce will benefit in the areas of recruitment, productivity, employee satisfaction, and retention. End quote from the Good Hire's chief operating officer. Uh, subheading, workers may have more say in their job structure amid labor shortage. Continuing, when companies uh, announce return to office plans, workers don't have a lot of choice but to comply unless a worker was specifically hired for a remote position. They are probably required to work out of the office at least part of the time. Some workers, particularly those with health issues, including an immunocompromised system, <clears throat> chronic kidney disease, uh, serious heart conditions, diabetes, and obesity, who may be more vulnerable to COVID-19 infections. They may be able to get remote work accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act and state regulations, but that typically requires a formal review process. It's worth noting that only about 10% of employed Americans worked remotely in March because of COVID. According to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, over half of workers, 50.9%, reported being already required to return to in-person full-time according to the uh, Work Humans April Human Workplace Index, a monthly survey of 1,000 full-time U.S. workers. But just because a company wants to head back to the office doesn't mean it always goes smoothly. Financial giant Goldman Sachs, for example, reopened its New York headquarters in February and mandated that its 10,000 employees return. Only about half showed up on the first day. That's because despite the threats of severe consequences, workers do have some leverage right now thanks to the ongoing worker shortage. The U.S. had 11.3 million open jobs available in February, and that number hasn't really wavered in recent months. So rather than spend a lot of time, effort, and money replacing non-compliant employees right now, some employers are letting it ride. But with warnings of a recession ahead, those workers who take their chances now by ignoring return to the office mandates may find themselves to be at the top of the layoff list down the line if not sooner okay. just one point that i want to get out of the way before we talk about the substance of what he's saying there's really no substance there but still um i cannot begin to tell you how happy i am that like there are women out there including myself that are in favor of financial independence and they don't have to rely on assholes like that to take care of them yeah it's disgusting oklahoma governor kevin stitt signed a bill into law on tuesday that makes it a felony to perform an abortion punishable by up to 10 years in prison as part of an aggressive push in republican-led states across the country to scale back abortion rights the bill which takes effect 90 days after the legislature adjourns next month, makes an exception only for an abortion performed to save the life of the mother. Abortion rights advocates say the bill signed by the GOP governor is certain to face a legal challenge. Its passage comes as the conservative U.S. Supreme Court considers ratcheting back abortion rights that have been in place for nearly five decades. They will get up every day. They will kill somebody and go have some chicken at KFC. Mm. Uh, leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, if you will, are dismissing allegations that they mismanaged millions of dollars after a scathing New York Magazine report revealed that they had purchased a $6 million home in Southern California with donated funds. Patrice Cullors, co-founder and former executive director of the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, and Melina Abdullah, co-founder of the BLM Los Angeles and co-director of BLM Grassroots, spoke to reporters Monday during a closed roundtable discussion dismissing recent articles about the organization's finances as media attacks misinformation and disinformation, and claiming that any lack of transparency about the multi-million dollar property was out of concern for the leader's safety. Quote, Almost immediately upon closing, the attacks on me and BLM, which also means Molina and others, escalated. 
end quote from Kohler's uh, saying, adding that she stayed at the home for four nights while the FBI investigated a death threat against her. Quote, so we did use the campus as a haven, as a safe place that derailed an announcement strategy. Conditions changed and that's it. End quote. Colors was named executive director of the Global Network Foundation on July 2020 and left the organization last spring. The discussion came a week after the New York Magazine report by Sean Campbell renewed questions about the organization's use of donations. The report revealed that the group secretly brought the 6,500-square-foot house in October of 2020 as a hub and headquarters for its members to create content promoting social justice. The report only fueled questions about the organization's finances just a year after the foundation revealed a detailed look at its funds for the first time. The Associated Press reported then that the foundation said it had taken in just over $90 million in 2020 and committed $21.7 million in grant funding to both official and unofficial BLM chapters, along with 30 other black-led grassroots organizations. The foundation put its operating budget at $8.4 million. The BLM movement was born in 2013 after George Zimmerman was acquitted of the murder of murder in the killing of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. The global network was created shortly after and today has more than 40 chapters around the world, according to the BLM LA website. The movement has worked to advocate for victims of police violence and educate the public about systemic issues plaguing black communities. $8.4 million a year goes toward advocating for victims of police violence and educating the public about systemic issues plaguing black communities. It takes $8.4 million to do this. Along with questions about the remainder of the $90 million, leaders and local chapters who say they've received little to no funding from the organization said they've wondered where the money raised before 2020 has gone. Colors said the organization did not receive much money until 2020 and denied any claims to the contrary. And the thing that I think is getting a little tiresome is the gay community that they've so bullied the American people and they've so intimidated politicians. The politicians fear them. And so they think that they get to dictate the agenda everywhere. New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin resigned Tuesday, um, the state's governor said, after being arrested and indicted on charges in connection with his alleged participation in a scheme to obtain campaign contributions in exchange for securing a state grant. The New York governor, Kathy Hochul, said uh, she had accepted Brian Benjamin's resignation effective immediately. While legal process plays out, it is clear to both of us that he cannot continue to serve as lieutenant governor. New Yorkers deserve absolute confidence in their government, and I will continue working every day to deliver that for them, end quote, the Democratic governor said in a statement. Benjamin was appointed to his position by Holchel after she took over the state's top job from Andrew Cuomo following his resignation last summer. Holchel, who just completed contentious budget negotiations in Albany, will now come under scrutiny over the vetting process that, proceed, that preceded her decision to elevate Benjamin, who finished fourth in the 2021 Democratic primary for the New York City Comptroller, a campaign in which prosecutors now say he sought and received illegal contributions. Benjamin is also accused of lying on a background check that followed Holchel's decision to make him her top deputy. Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, would not comment on what, if any, contact investigators have had with Holchel's office. This indictment is about one person, Brian Benjamin, he said. 
despite stepping down, Benjamin will, in accordance with state law, remain on the primary ballot as endorsed as the endorsed candidate of the Democratic Party. A senior state party official told CNN on Tuesday that Benjamin announced his decision that it would be best if the party found another candidate. If it's at all possible for Benjamin to be removed from the line and that the party leadership is planning to explore all the options on that. It's it's a complicated process. There's not that many ways to do it, but there are some ways to do it. So we're looking at that. And if we can, then obviously there's a committee on vacancies and we would take the recommendation of the governor for who we should replace him if that's possible. End quote from Holchel. The official also defended Holchel against criticism of her vetting process, referencing prosecutors' allegations that Benjamin had lied on his official background check. Quote, The U.S. attorney made clear in his indictment today that one of the things was an issue, that one of the things that was an issue was Brian Benjamin's lack of honesty in the vetting process. I don't know how you fault the governor or her vetting team, frankly, for getting misinformation. She does not have access to investigations ongoing in the U.S. attorney's office, end quote. Benjamin is running against two other Democrats, Anna Maria Archia, a longtime progressive leader supported by the Liberal Working Families Party, and Diana Reyna, a former member of the New York City Council. Archila, in an email to supporters on Tuesday, said Benjamin had betrayed New Yorkers, quote, Our elected officials should be held to the highest ethical standard to preserve the public trust. My opponent has violated that compact, Archila said. Quote, Albany has been plagued by corruption for too long, with politicians trading favors for the money for the money of the wealthy and powerful. In a joint statement, Reina and the New York U.S. Representative Tom Susie, who is challenging Holchel in the Democratic gubernatorial primary, cast Benjamin's arrest as a mark against the new governor. Some old Indian thing. What's it for? Well, I don't know much about Indians, but I do know tools. And if I had to guess, I'd say you jam one of these in the back of a white man's skull, twist the handle like so, and then your blood runs out through the hole here. Yep, that's what it's for. And let's make sure it is all right as I might claim it to be. And there I am. Yes, decibels showing all the way upward. And Phoenix Kalita, check. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my decibels are also upward. Maybe. Or not. Or not. <laughs> not at all, actually. Um, okay, still talking. Are they getting any better? Yes, no, maybe so. Oh, uh, once again. Uh, and still checking decibels? Still checking decibels. How do uh, they look? Yep, Phoenix Kalita's in the game. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, and you you had something to honcho up on there. I might have. I might have. Um, Right, because uh, I have this, like, never-ending Twitter thread. Um, just about, uh, primarily about, like, rental situations, things going on with landlords and whatnot. Um, and I found this article and I figured it should probably go in this thread because it is about landlords. Um, however, uh, in this case, it's also about HOAs. And I know William loves HOAs, right? Huh? Huh? HOAs? Yes. I recently did cover a story where I did mention an HOA and I did not critique it, but that's only because it was corporations uh-huh. uh, going after uh, black homeowners. Mm. And there was a black woman that was a part of the HOA and she's the one that caught it and implemented the deal to... Um, uh, wait, did you hear me covering that one? No. Okay, uh, now I did not critique this particular HOA, 
a homeowners association because the corporation, to my understanding, I think it was based out of Canada, which is great, right? How come Alex Jones doesn't talk about that globalism? But fucking, um, because it's not Jewish. Uh, but fucking, they're buying up the houses there. And so the HOA passed the, I'm going to use the word ordinance here. Just to finish the sentence, they passed an ordinance that if you purchase a property, you can't have a tenant renting it for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And I say fuck it all the way up. Ten years, right? I came up with the idea. Um, I came up with the idea. More so, I randomly spitballed on my podcast. And this is um interesting because like we find ourselves in a weird place in class. Mm-hmm. Like even though I come from a certain level of poverty, I'm super not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I am. I'm kind of like I hear myself and I want to critique my own thought. But it's like black homeowners. If we're in an area like that, are we getting a situation like that? Black homeowners. Fuck it. Eight times. No, I think I said four times. Mm -hmm. Four times the market value of your house is what you sell it for. All black people come together and like the and like the black conservatives like to say, get on code, family. (laughs) All of us. Oh, they want to come buy them up and make them all rentals? Okay. Eight times all black people stay on it, don't move. And if you fucking break that up, if you scab that one, we gonna scar you. If you scab, you get scarred, if you will. I'm talking about Lion King, Facebook. I'm a Lion King fan. Don't ban my account. Mufasa. All right? Yeah, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of HOAs, uh, in a year where it felt like everything had gone wrong, a knock at Maisha Ross's door on one December day brought more bad news. I already just got a note they did this to her in December, fuckers. Um, this is a quote from Maisha Ross. Uh, there was a process server who came and knocked on my door and served me with a foreclosure notice, and of course I freaked out. Ross had already had a string of bad luck in 2017, a car wreck and a period of unpaid maternity leave after the birth of her third child left her struggling to pay bills. She said she worked with most of her creditors to catch up, and getting served with a foreclosure case that day caught her by surprise. And this is a quote, this is on ProPublica by the way, I don't know if I said that. Uh, this is a quote. I'm like, okay, I worked something out with a mortgage company, and I th- would think that's who's able to foreclose on me, Ross said. Instead, the notice was from her HOA, her homeowners association, um, the group that takes care of the upkeep of her community of townhomes. I had no idea an HOA could foreclose on you. I bet a lot of people don't know an HOA could foreclose on them. Uh, the knock Right, the- like, do they own part of the motherfucking house? Um, I think, well, you know what? They kind of explain it towards the end of the article. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the knock on the door marked the start of a four-year legal fight between Ross and the Timbers Homeowners Association, which governs a complex of 394 units in southeast Denver, Colorado. Um, also, I just want to note the wording in here that they said it the Homeowners Association governs houses. Uh, Ross, who is a single... Oh, so they're elected. <laughs> Ross, who is a single mother, filed for bankruptcy and tried to catch up uh, on her debt at the Timbers and save her home. She has since paid more than $5,600 to cover the HOA's legal fees, an expense the association is allowed to pass on to members. She has worked to keep up on her monthly HOA dues, though a few times she has been late. The association's attorney recently filed a motion to have her bankruptcy dismissed, saying she has not made timely payments. Ross is fighting back, asking a judge to declare that she has paid enough. Uh, Ross said, quote, I could understand if I wasn't making any payments at all or just refused to pay, but I am paying and they're still coming after me. Ross's story illustrates the enormous power that Colorado's more than 10,000 HOAs wield over homeowners. There's 10,000 HOAs in Colorado alone. That's fucking wild. How the fuck are there even 10,000 neighborhoods? Just wait, it gets worse. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Many HOAs require residents to make routine payments called assessments to cover common expenses such as landscaping, trash pickup, water and sewer services, and amenities like pools, clubhouses, and playgrounds. In a townhouse or community condo, I'm sorry, condo community like the Timbers, assessments are $355 a month. Fuck no. Uh, 
355. But under state law, HOAs can initiate foreclosure proceedings against homeowners who owe money to them, and their actions are not subject to any oversight from a regulatory agency. The state estimates that more than 2.6 million residents, almost half of Colorado's population, lives in homes governed by a homeowners association. Half of the population of Colorado lives in a home governed by a homeowners association. <sighs> That's the American dream, I guess. Um, those HOAs have filed more than 2,400 foreclosure cases from January 2018 through February 2022, according to an analysis of state court data by Rocky Mountain PBS and ProPublica. During the same time, the analysis shows that at least 215 cases have resulted in sheriff's sales in which homeowners lose possession of their property. At the start of the pandemic, state and federal government uh, governments issued moratoriums on most foreclosures, um, but the National Association of HOAs recommended pausing foreclosures, but they have wide discretion on how they make those choices. And in Colorado, nearly 450 HOAs filed for more than 730 foreclosure cases. Lindsay Smith, the chair of Colorado's Legislative Action Committee, uh, <laughs> said that she typically advises against HOAs man, this is so shitty. All right. Lindsay, you fucking piece of shit, uh, says that uh, it's... Do, 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 where did it go? I just lost my place. She said she typically advises against HOAs uh, using foreclosure except as a last resort, but also acknowledges it's a very effective way of getting homeowners to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the data shows the vast majority of Colorado's HOAs have not taken the extraordinary step of foreclosing against homeowners, but there are pockets where associations are turning to the so-called last resort repeatedly. One such pocket is Green Valley Ranch. Here you go, William. Uh, one of Denver's largest HOA communities. Would you like to guess how many units they have? One of the largest in Denver? Yes. Oh, shit. I'm going to say 471. 4,000. That's way the fuck off. 4, I was 000. off by percentages. It's not even <laughs> numbers anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's fucking creepy that 4,000, they own 4,000 units. That's a lot. That's a test. That's a small town. Like, what the fuck? Uh, town hall meetings, protests, and petition drives have sprung up in recent weeks after resident learn, residents learned that dozens of homeowners have faced foreclosure. Court data shows that the Master Homeowners Association for Woo! Green Valley Ranch. The master, the master. <laughs> this ain't my house. This the master's house. Master Homeowners Association has filed 79 cases. Uh, the Office of Colorado Governor J Jared Paulus has called the foreclosures far-reaching unchecked powers, and the governor has said he supports ongoing legislative efforts to curb those powers. Mm-hmm. A tenth of the size is Green Valley Ranch. A tenth of the size of Green Valley Ranch is the Timbers. This is the one that the uh, person in the beginning lives under. They have filed 41 foreclosures. Uh, the Timbers HOA Board of Directors told ProPublica uh, that they have helped reduce two thirds of a $200,000 shortfall of membership dues by doing this. All right. Okay. Uh, but the board and property manager declined to discuss the details of the foreclosure. And said, who is this? This is a quote from um, the Craig Miller, a representative from the HOA's property manager, the Colorado property management specialist. There's a lot going on there. So the HOA governs the house that this person lives in. Yeah. But they outsource the job to a third party, even though the HOA itself is a third party. Does that mean four parties are now involved? Is this like how you break a fourth wall? What is this? Um, anyways, Craig says, Stories like the ones you are pursuing are always one-sided. From social media to actual local media news, HOAs, management companies, boards, and managers are demonized, says Craig Miller. Uh, he also added he would be happy to provide details if owners signed a consent form witnessed by a notary public. So, Ross, of course, signed a consent form. But three days later, the property manager declined to give details. <laughs> In the statement, the board said it generally works with homeowners who fall behind their on, on their bills and said the Timbers would rather work with and communicate with its members to resolve delinquency issues than rely on legal action. She just paid y'all $5,000. The fuck else you need? Shit. 
So yeah, um, and this is uh, what you were asking about earlier. Um, when people purchase houses in an HOA, they sign documents that bind them to obey the association's covenants and to pay fines and possibly even collection costs if they don't. There is a quote in here from Jose Vasquez, a supervising attorney who represents low-income clients and housing disputes uh, for Colorado Legal Services, and he says, quote, They don't understand that they're giving up, in essence, control of their property to a separate entity, and if people don't understand that, bad things can happen. So there you go. That's from Colorado Legal Services. You don't saying you don't understand that you're giving up control of your property to a separate entity when you have an HOA. But then the cold shit is, like, if you want to live in the neighborhood and the HOA is already there, then you don't have a choice. You buy a house there and apparently you don't actually own it. Yep. But then what if you're already somewhere and the HOA shows up? Can you say, nope, my property isn't going to be a part of this? I don't know. Right? That's a weird thing. That's a weird fucking thing. Yeah, that's bugged out. And then, like, while you were doing that, while I was, um kind of producing looking for footage that i could sort of flip back in the video and play mm-hmm. i found one that looks real fun uh i'll be looking at this on my own time probably while i'm at work uh the title of this is hoa president demolished my terrace but he forgot my property is not part of the hoa and i'm a lawyer oh i can't wait to watch that video i'm watching that at work that'll be fun yeah Um, And then just wrapping up this article, uh, they note that when residents don't pay, HOAs can file liens against the property, and Colorado law allows HOAs to seek foreclosure on liens when residents are the equivalent of six months behind on assessments. So remember that $300 fee they mentioned? So if you're six months behind on that $300 fee, you can lose your whole ass house even though you pay your mortgage. Wild. Um, And they note that the assessments can include late fees, interest, legal fees, and fines for other violations such as dead grass or faded exterior paint. I just want to know who they're um, enforcing these violations against because old paint? Really? Oh, yeah. Right. And I guess, and the, to my understanding, again, we have to keep coming back to like, what's the whole idea behind it? It's so that if you want to sell your house, you sell it at a profit or close to breaking even. Yeah. It doesn't bring the property value down. That makes me look like, I swear to fuck, let me, let me fucking live somewhere and a HOA moves in and now my shit's under your shit. Fuck that. I'm hiring goons. Mm-hmm. I'm hiring kids to fucking graffiti everything. Somebody come through with a truck, <laughs> tear up the lawns. Fuck it up, Frankie. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, because they note in here that when a foreclosure order is granted by a judge, the local sheriff's office sells the property to the highest bidder. The minimum price is set by the HOA. So not only are they selling your shit, they're selling it for whatever the fuck they feel like selling it for. I swear to fuck, yo, Western culture, white people, they incentivize murder and then make it illegal. Yes. And... Uh, So not only is the minimum price set by the HOA, the HOA can also place a bid for that amount. This means the HOA itself can win the auction and purchase the property and then rent it to a new uh, a new renter. So, yes. So you can buy a house, get a mortgage. Right. In this case, it was a townhouse. So you pay a mortgage on your townhouse. You miss a couple months of your assessment fees. They take your house. They put it up for auction. They buy your house. And then they rent it out to someone else. Yo. I'm telling you. I I swear to fuck. Like, HOA people have got to be some of the wildest people. Like, they have got to seriously think that, um... Lethal solutions don't exist. Like... They really don't give a fuck about the point at which they piss people off. Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes you wonder, like, you ever be during your adulthood, you interact with someone, you're like, have you never had your ass beat before? Have I ever- think that about a lot of people, yes. <laughs> and then, like, some people, it's like, oh, no, if this is kind of you, you probably have had your ass beat before, and it just made you more of a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you, got, you just have to fuck these people up. Yep. Um, and of course, they note that uh, most of these homes are are sold far below fair market value, uh, and at least 36 properties have been repurchased at, since 2018 by this particular HOA. Nope, goons. <clears throat> Hire goons yes. for whatever it is that you think is necessary. I'm not advocating for anything. 
this podcast does not talk about stuff like that. Definitely not. Uh, So Colorado does not regulate HOAs and little is known about how often groups litigate against homeowners. The local industry organization says it does not keep track of how many foreclosure HOAs initiate, how many foreclosures HOAs have initiated in Colorado. So no one's even fucking tracking this. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, this is another quote from uh, the woman at the from the top of the article and said, first, it was like denial. It's just a threat. They can't take away your home. And then we realized, yes, they can take away your home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) They can take away your home. Yes. And then they I'm not going to go into this woman's this other woman's story, but there is a woman named Mary that they mentioned in here. She says she and her husband were served with a foreclosure lawsuit in 2018, 12 years after they purchased their townhouse and says that she doesn't have a bunch of details because her husband, who died in 2020, handled the situation, but says he had to borrow almost $10,000 to pay off the HOA to keep their house. Like, and this is the cold shit. I mean, obviously, it's never going to end because capitalism is going to go to the brink. I've been saying this for years. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of being right. Like, I actually want my ego shot in the fucking ground (laughs) by being massively wrong about anything that I predict in the context of capitalism. And so, at least tell your fucking kids to never go HOA. Ever. Don't fucking do it that is if by the time the people who are children now if there are houses available to buy there probably won't be but at at the end of the day like it's probably just going to be houses like the one we got the only thing you're going to be get you're going to be able to get is some shit that a landlord has done ruining yep and now it's your life project to make the house livable again so that you can die and a landlord buys it and they proceed the ruining process again yes and the last thing I'm going to note in here is the, um, this woman said that the ju- the default judgment, because this was brought up by the HOA, was for $5,300. So she almost lost her house over $5,000. But only 480 of that was actually late assessment fees. <clears throat> so the HOA charged her $5,000, but only five less than 500 of it was for these fees. Which reminds you, what did they say at the beginning of this article? HOA said, but we have to do this to get our fees back. And now what have you that now we're going through court papers? What are they doing? Charging for a bunch of other shit. So that's what's going on with HOAs. And that one is in my uh, just never ending thread about the current state of real estate. And the cold shit is it's like people are fucking brainwashed by capitalism. Like the obsession with every irrelevant ass penny that you don't get to take to the grave with you. Mm-hmm. Of like, but I have to because my property value. There is no, you're not enjoying it. There is no value. You're not having, and then what do yeah, you do but... when you leave? Go to another HOA? Your adulthood is ass. Well, I think they're just more concerned with, but if I have it, you can't have it. Good. I can't have it. You fucking, hey, looks like you get the HOAs and I'm stuck out here with no HOA. <laughs> I ain't be got no freedom. None. God damn. None. I'm gonna go smoke a joint in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you fucking people? All right. And then, uh, yeah, you had more heat. Yes. Yeah, because I'm fucking up the time. It's 554. Yes. All right. So um, this is just really an update. Buffalo, New York. I think we all saw the video of uh during the george uh george floyd protest when the cops fucked up that 75 year old man right like he was walking up towards them very calmly and i think trying to excuse me trying to hand them something um and they pushed him to the ground and he started like bleeding out of his like ears and shit yeah so an arbiter has ruled that two police officers in Buffalo, New York, didn't violate use of force guidelines when they pushed a 75 year old protester to the ground during race, racial injustice protests in June of 2020. The episode drew national attention when news crews captured video of Martin Gugino being shoved by officers Robert McCabe and Aaron Torglaski in downtown Buffalo as uh, crowd control officers in riot gear cleared demonstrators for a curfew. Gugino, who was pushed pushed backwards, started bleeding after hitting his head on the pavement and spent about a month in the hospital with a fractured skull and a brain injury. 
They pushed an unarmed senior citizen down to a point that he got a fractured skull and brain injury, and that does not violate their use of force guidelines. When will y'all get it through your fucking heads that these are animals who want to kill you? Now, the level of force was justified because Gugino refused to comply with orders leaving the scene, according to Shelchik, who is, who the fuck is Shelchik? Oh, the arbiter, arbitrator, Jeffrey Shelchik. Upon review, there is no evidence to sustain any claim that respondents, the police officers, had any other viable options to move him out of the way. Literally, the only thing to do was give a old ass man a concussion. That was the only thing they could do. The only thing. Well, they could also step over him and keep walking forward because, I mean, yeah, I think you have all those cops, right? All that overtime, all that protesting. They're only going to knock out one guy? Yeah. No, fuck no. And that's a white guy. You got to go knock some niggers out. This is a nigger protest. White people are collateral damage. That's the Kyle Rittenhouse rule. That is the Kyle Rittenhouse rule. All right, it's Kyle's law. Um, and let's see, what was I going to say? Oh, and of course, the article notes that the two cops were suspended without pay and arrested within days of the incident, but a grand jury declined to indict them, so charges have been dropped. Yeah, dropped like they dropped that old-ass man. Boy, I, I, it was like you set me I was like, oh, shit, I have to say I, something. I was, sorry, I got caught looking at the video. Yeah, because... Because yeah. the video is, like, so wild to me because he really is just, like, this old, frail man. Like, that. what, what are they... I, I mean, obviously, I know what they're doing. They're being fucking sociopaths, but... Like, he's just an old man standing there. Like, he's such a grandpa, you know? And they're just out here fucking him up. But, yeah. Man, I tell you, if they would have pushed over... like, And also, like, you pushed over an old New York man in the era of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. Like, go ahead. If, if, if we would have heard that guy's voice and he would have had that accent, people would have showed up to New York. His last name is Gugino. For some reason, like... Like, y'all, be- y'all better be happy y'all did that after Nipsey Hussle died. He'd have had the 60s up there. <laughs> I-, I cannot verify that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more fast one. Shit, fast. All right. Damn, it is the last one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, fuck, we're going to make time. Republican-controlled states have Shit. higher murder rates than Democratic ones. Yes, queen, go off, girl, boss, pussy hat slay. I don't want to hear shit about Chicago anymore from anybody. That's all I have to say. I don't want to fucking hear about Chicago from anyone. Uh, And this is on Yahoo, by the way. Um, Republican politicians routinely claim that cities run by Democrats have been experiencing crime waves caused by failed governance, but... A new study shows murder rates are actually higher in states and cities controlled by Republicans. Not gonna lie, son. That's gangster as fuck. Uh, former President Donald Trump asserted at a March 26 rally in Georgia, people are afraid to go out. We're seeing murders in our cities, all Democratic run. He said this in Georgia. What? How many fucking cities in Georgia does he think are run by Democrats? I, what? How many? Yes. It, it depends on how many people are at home and how many people have been snatched up by Joe Biden's government. Quarantine camps. We should fucking put them in quarantine camps. Um, in February, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas blamed Democrats for a 2018 law that reduced some federal prison sentences, even though it was signed by Trump after passing a GOP-controlled Congress. <clears throat> And said, quote, it's your party who voted in lockstep for the First Step Act that let thousands of violent felons on the street who have now committed innumerable innumerable violent crimes. See, now, that to me, like, that should be a free speech violation. Hmm. Because you're lying and you're a lawmaker in office. Like, you should not be allowed to lie. I mean, I don't think the news media should be allowed to lie either. I mean, that's like a fucking, I mean, what... I heard nobody saying uh, First Amendment shit when that nigga Rick Scott was governor of Florida. He was like, you cannot say climate change. You mm-hmm. cannot say sea level rise. Mm-hmm. And he is an elected government official. That actually is a free speech issue. Yeah. But you got niggas like Kyle Kalinske just like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to call somebody black woke. I'm going to do something illegal no that's not a free speech issue buster 
They not, they the left does not give a fuck about free speech, honestly. Well, only if it's Alex Jones's, right? And which um radical centrist Dan Friesen of the Knowledge Fight podcast has pulled up the audio of Alex saying to niggas like Jimmy Dore and Kyle Kalinsky and uh, who are these other free speech chuds? Almost any white dude under 30, mm-hmm. right? There are some white dudes over 35 that are like, I, I, I kind of get it. I get it. But like yeah. these these little niggas, they mm-hmm. think they're too hard. Yeah. Or something. I, I need I, a better sentence. I, I think that they just haven't. Um, I think that they're just too far in their own echo chambers because they really don't know what's going on. Because that's that shit. Because when you say it out loud, it makes sense to them. Because they're like, oh, you know, we have to protect everyone's free speech, and that means Alex Jones, too. And it's like, okay, why are you not protecting all the sex workers who keep getting booted off their platforms then? Or why do you not advocate for this shit until Alex Jones goes off? Exactly. You wait until then. Why? Oh, that's right, because it's your business model. Exactly. It's a hot story. You know you're going to get the click. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yes. Uh, so last December, Representative Dan Crenshaw, is that the iPatch guy? Uh, said that America's most beautiful cities are indeed being ruined by liberal policies. There's a direct line between death and decay and liberal policy. But a comparison of violent crime rates in jurisdictions controlled by Democrats and Republicans tells a very different story. In fact, a new, a new study from Third Way shows that states won by Trump in 2020 uh, have higher murder rates than those carried by Joe Biden. The highest murder rates the study found are often in conservative rural states. The study found that the murder rates in the 25 states Trump carried in 2020 are 40% higher overall than the states that Biden won. The report used 2020 data for this, by the way. Uh, the five states with the highest per capita murder rate, you want to guess? Oh, shit, you told me yesterday in show prep. Oh, you still remember? Shit, I thought you would I probably forgot. don't. Oh, wait, no, it's the fucking Confederacy. <laughs> it's them stupid niggas. <laughs> yeah, I remember now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Kentucky, Alabama, and Missouri. Y'all ready for a secession yet, motherfuckers? I'm ready. All lean Republican and voted for Trump. A recession and forced deportation of anyone that voted Republican in the last, I don't know. Since uh, Reagan. Since Reagan. Voter Republican since Reagan. You get deported to the Confederacy. We have the fucking union. And then maybe I could be like Michelle Obama. I'm finally proud to be an American. Shit, I want to be like that HOA. That was your fucking house. Until I found out about your voting record. Right, and I'm, now I'm like, and I'm proud to be an American. Where I made the white man leave. And I sent his ass to the Confederate States so he could die on a tree. Cause I'm a black man with my wife trying to do a podcast. So if you come here, I got a second amendment to pull out and dump on y'all ass. Come on. Damn, nigga. All right. Uh, there are some examples of states Biden won that also have a high per capita murder rate, including, would you like to guess which states Biden won that have a high murder rate? States Biden won that had a... And these are like outside of the... These are just states he won? I'm not... That's all I'm saying. States he won, high murder rate. I don't really look up murder rates. So this is pure guess. This is out of my ass guessing fucking California? Nope. New York? Mm-mm. Oh, man. Yeah, see, because Biden won, you think it can't be in the South. Yeah, that's where it was going. Arizona... Very close. Oh, God. No, fucking Tennessee. No. Texas. No. Florida. New Mexico and Georgia. Why didn't I say New Mexico when you said very close to Arizona? Damn it. (laughs) I was like, no, that's too easy. It's never that easy. Never that easy. But yeah, so keep in mind that even the states that went blue for Biden in the South still have the highest per capita murder rates. Uh, They have the seventh and eighth highest murder rates, respectively, New Mexico and Georgia. Uh, and there are Trump-supporting states with low murder rates, such as Idaho and Utah, because there's like 10 fucking people who live in Idaho. That's why the murder rate is low. And you know, that shit really flies in the face of like what seemed like a logical numerical assumption that I was running with all my life, like many other people probably, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, more people? There will just be a higher percentage of everything. But culture matters. Yes. When you have less progenitors of Western culture, you have less effects of Western culture. Mm -hmm. 
And also, I would suspect, too, that, you know, no one really thinks of what states did I say uh, were the highest? New Mexico? Uh, yeah, but that was a Biden state. Oh, you mean uh, the, the ones that went for Trump, Indiana. right? Mississippi, Louisiana, Kentucky, Alabama, Missouri. Like, does anyone think of Mississippi and think of a lot of wealth and rich people? I don't. I don't think anyone does, because Mississippi is poor as shit, is my understanding, which also indicates to me that they probably would have a higher crime level, because poverty, the more poverty, the more crime, because people are trying to fucking survive. Mm. And now you have to commit crime to fucking, you know, pay your rent before your HOA forecloses on you, you know, or to buy groceries, or to, you know, whatever. You have to steal something to eat. You know, I know Bill Cosby thinks you should get shot in the face for it, but... Yeah. You know, like I, yeah, I would, and then of course consider too the fucking um, what are what do the white people call it now? The opioid epidemic. Hmm. Yes, um, that's in a lot of uh southern states as well. You know, just saying. So, yeah. Um, so these consistent are all uh, these findings are all consistent with a pattern that has existed for decade in which the South has higher rates of violent crime than the rest of the nation as a whole. Hmm. Broadly speaking, the South, and to a lesser extent the Midwest, have more murders per capita than the interior West, West Coast, which includes California, and uh, the Northeast. So they're killing more people in the South than in fucking California. Because all I ever hear about is New York, L.A., and Chicago when we talk about violence. That's all I ever fucking hear about. Yeah. Um, And then Jennifer Ortiz, a professor of criminology at Indiana University, said, quote, states like Mississippi, Louisiana and Alabama have always had historically high crime rates. And we as criminologists have known this for quite some time. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, We're not criminologists. Yeah, shit. (laughs) Could y'all get the word out a little more often? Uh, Criminologists say that research shows higher rates of violent crime are found in areas that... Well, what did I just Wait, say? Oh no, you say get the word out. I bet they tell anyone that'll listen. They probably fucking do. They're one of those. Uh, they're like one of those uh, ones who love the tweet about the academic papers. You seen that tweet where someone said like, I don't know if you know this, but the person who wrote the academic paper can just send it to you for free if you ask them. You don't yes. have to go and like get paid. And so many academics were like, Yes, please ask me for my work. I want to share it with you. <laughs> That's probably why they go running to get interviewed by Gusty Renegade. Honestly, probably, yeah. Um, so, but as we were just speculating, criminologists say research shows higher rates of crime uh, are found in areas that have lower education levels, high rates of poverty, and modest access to government assistance. Those conditions characterize portions of the American South. Hmm. Uh, a quote from Ortiz said, uh, they are among the poorest states in our union. They have the highest rates of child poverty. They are the least educated states. They have the states with the highest levels of substance abuse. All those contribute to people engaging in criminal behavior. Didn't I just fucking say the opioid, opioid epidemic? Yes. Yes. Um, I thought it was a good study, said Richard Rosenfeld, a professor of criminology at University of Missouri-St. Louis and the former president of the American Society of Criminology. In Republican states, states with Republican governors, crime rates tend to be higher. I'm not certain that's related to the fact the governor is a Republican, but it is a fact nonetheless. Sir, you know as well as I do that it's because of Republican policies. Don't play these games with me. Uh, while Third Way studied, uh, studied divided states by presidential vote in 2020 and using uh, gubernatorial party affiliation leads to similar results because most states have chosen the same uh, party for governor and president. Based on the presidential vote, eight of the 10 states with the highest murder rates lean Republican versus seven of the top 10. (laughs) Although murder rates tend to be the highest in the South, the biggest increases were in the Midwest, according to Third Way, with jumps in Wyoming, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. Yeah, because when you think of Wisconsin, you think of liberals, right? You think of all, there's like a lot of fucking Democrats in South Dakota, are there? Oh, yeah, the Scannies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, the Scanny Block Mafia Crip? I heard Nebraska? of Nebraska? Yeah, there's so many fucking, so, so many Nebraska, fucking. I mean, the word ass is right in the middle of it. That's black people with their big asses twerking. There are not a lot of black people in Nebraska unless they are out there to play basketball in college. Still don't um, know what twerking is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, so a few large cities uh, are governed by Republicans. Only 26 of the 100 largest U.S. cities have Republican mayors. But the cities that do have Republican mayors do not have lower murder rates than similarly sized Democratic cities, uh, the study found. So being a Republican or Democratic state city is correlated with many other issues, says David Weisberg, a professor of criminology and executive director for the Center for Evidence-Based Crime Policy at George Mason University. That means the murder rate may be due to the state being Republican or due to the fact that Republican states have other risk factors. (laughs) Even with a comprehensive modeling of all these factors, it's difficult to get a valid casual result for explaining all crime rates. Fucking Christ. There you go. Other also, risk factors. Yes. I also appreciate, I'm going to scroll all the way up, Ben Adler. I appreciate this article, Ben Adler, because you have quotes from three different people and every single one is a criminologist. You didn't get any bullshit, fake ass, Republican pearl clutching quotes. You actually went to professionals. I appreciate that about you, Ben. All right. That's what I got. Yeah. And uh, fucking, and hopefully we can get back here and I can, um, gather some thoughts together and get to get why I'm I'm uncomfortable with the hyper focus I think I used the word fetishizing maybe that's the wrong word uh-huh. there's like a hyper focus on this black guy in New York that's yes. an Amazon union guy yeah and a hyper for like he's wearing street clothes and he's not professional look at this guy look at how unprofessional he is I've I've never been too happy to have something that is serious about my life or how I'm living or where I'm living to be handled by someone that's not professional. All right? Yeah. You tell me when you want the unprofessional plumber. Right? The, or the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that they're... I think it's unfair to call him unprofessional, which people are doing because of the way he talks. That tells me nothing about his work ethic at all. Like, all I know is what his voice sounds like and what vocabulary he uses. I have no idea what his work ethic is like. So it's weird that people are like, professional, unprofessional. Like, how the fuck would you know? You seen this nigga work? I'm telling you, like, black professionalism, <laughs> um, like, as far as, like, colloquialism and, like, in the eye of the white gaze, so much of it is on accent. Yeah. Right? Soon as you have a heavy southern or east coast accent, or Southern Cal- or California accent, goddamn them niggas, right? Just imagine niggas that talk like Ice Cube but slower. Yeah, <laughs> it's like instantly you're not professional. But I'd say Ice Cube is a fairly professional person. Yeah. Brother Lynch Hung is a professional person. The only time he sounded good in an interview was when he was asked about paperwork. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he got amped up. He was like, "Oh yeah, then I sign this and then I get my check this way." But, like, yeah, man, I don't... I, don't, I, I think I don't, they're setting him up for white people to take it. Yeah. Because, like, I think that's going to be... Whatever, this is just me, but I think that's going to be the next step is they're going to be like, well, you're not professional enough. Let's have a real spokesperson make this into a larger movement. Like, let's let's just take it from you and just make it a little more polished, a little more professional. We can get more work done. Like, I guarantee he's going to get pressured for that by some white folks at some point if he has it already and then let's let it see known like um as the the music has ended so i sound kind of silly and acapella here but (laughs) fucking by virtue of a union existing is not a victory right (laughs) right like up i keep saying this shit i was just in a union mandatory seven day work weeks um, a lot of the machines didn't have very good safety panels to keep you from fucking your fingers up on the moving parts. Mm-hmm. And then the safety panels you have have these fucking, um, these unsanded, jagged, sharp edges. It's still a very shitty workplace. All right. I will say it again. Roberto got the tip of his finger cut off early in his shift, went to the clinic. They attached it soon enough that he could keep it. And because the eight hours wasn't up, they made him finish the shift or he's fired. That was with a union. Mm -hmm. All right. The union leader. And I'm going to not do too much info. Right. Because that's like niggas be like, all right, it's time to sue niggas. Mm -hmm. But like the rep rep. Right. That's the union rep smokes crack. (laughs) Like I'm talking about base rock cocaine glass pipe set it aflame inhale exhale 
smokes crack. I'm not saying that colloquially as in like, what? Man, this nigga's a mumble rap fan. What, you smoking crack? No, this nigga smoking crack. A real union rep smokes crack, nigga. Over at the GM plant where I was doing contract work and not there anymore, so Phoenix Kalita allows me to say it now. <laughs> the, um, they have a fucking union. United Auto Workers Union. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um and they get mandatory six day work weeks. Um, uh, some people would depending on what department you're in, mm-hmm. they get mandatory seven day work weeks. When you get hired new, again, this is with a union. Yeah. When you get hired new, no benefits for two further mucking years. Yeah, but then that makes me wonder, like, how shitty are other workplaces then? Like, if this is what a union is getting you, how? fucking bad is it in non-union workplaces god makes me want to go get a job at one of these restaurants to see Whew. taco bell i'd say taco bell yeah yeah i bet taco oh, they Bell's give you rough. free tacos when you apply though so win-win for you yeah i will because all i'm gonna do is like quit or get fired <laughs> yes yeah they're gonna be like oh you need to i'm like ah oh, i don't know about that one mm. give me another task see if i like that one <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this one either no oh, no you know what? I'm going to stay on. The, I like this task that I'm doing. I'm going to stay on this one. Ah. You can't work here. Well, I don't give a shit. Bye. Bye. I'll clock out. Make sure I get my last check. Bye. And I'm, I'm keeping the uniform shirt. It's a trophy. I have a, I'm, I'm literally wearing a uniform trophy shirt right now broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, God. I remember Wine Cellar Media. This content is produced without the concerns of swerfs, turfs, partisan hacks, bootlickers, neo-Nazis, bread tubers, tankies, white vegans, or mumble rappers in mind. Send all hate mail to D's.